Well, welcome everybody to another episode of Kingdom Family Talks. It's great to be back with you. And uh, today uh, I'm joined by Leif. It's great to be with you, Leif. Thank you. And we have a very special guest, uh, Paul Manwaring. Welcome, Paul. Thank you very much. Good to be here. Yeah, very, we're very excited, uh, Paul. You've been here for the last, I think it's almost a week now, you've been here in Atlanta. Yeah. And uh, blessing the Bethel Atlanta family and being at the School of Ministry. And uh, you've been joined by your lovely wife, Sue. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, Paul, many of, uh, many of the people maybe listening are familiar with you from uh, your part in uh, the Bethel family at Reading and uh, the past how many years? Uh, 15. 15. 15 years. But uh, you're in a new season. Uh, I am stepping, indeed. Stepping yeah. into a new season. So why don't you just give a little bit of background about uh, where you've come from, uh, what you carry and, and where you're going. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> just that. Yeah, just that's that. all you, you want. Yeah. There's uh, the podcast. Background. I mean, uh, I've been a Christian 44 years, uh, saved by my father's dead body, called to the ministry two years later in a meeting uh, led by an evangelist. Uh, as a result of that, um, I got some advice, which was go and get some experience working with people. Good advice. And I spent 25 years working as a nurse, psychiatric and general nurse. And then I worked in the prison service of England and uh, became a prison governor, prison warden in, uh, in America, superintendents somewhere else. Um, so 25 years experience uh, of just going to work, doing a regular job, doing a regular life, serving in the local church, um, loving God to the best of my ability and, and, and gaining experience. And then in 2001, four days after 9-11, we flew to Redding, California. Uh, I went so that my wife could live there because she was on her own personal journey. And I did school of ministry to get a visa. That's the only reason. Um, (laughs) And as a result of that and loving school and just doing what I knew to do best, I got invited to join the team. So I joined the senior leadership team and was on that for something like 13 years. Um, Built our network, Global Legacy was probably the behind the scenes guy in a ton of stuff so I've taught on administration <laughs> strategy glory um, the goodness of God a whole host of things uh, and then five years ago I was given a prophetic word that I would preach in stadiums and uh, the course of my life was dramatically altered and uh, the passion of my life was dramatically changed and you know there's a whole bunch of things I teach and carry I know I teach and carry uh, um, things to do with of course the gospel um, to do with raising up young evangelists. Um, I love to preach to nations. I feel like when I'm in a stadium, I preach to the nation. And uh, and then the last couple of days, I've been teaching on, on the discovery journey, really, and uh, helping people to discover what, what they're alive for, what they were born for. So, uh, yeah, I could talk about that for hours, but I'll probably get us started. <laughs> wow, yeah. And, Leif, why don't you, how did you and Paul first connect? What, what did that look like? We talked about that for breakfast. That's the thing that one of the joys for Paul and Sue. When I got home, they were in our home. And, and uh, this morning, Paul made us some phenomenal omelet for Jennifer and myself. And another gift that he has, he, is, he makes an incredible, I mean, he, he's an incredible chef, makes good food. And this morning, we got to taste of some of wow. that. But uh, I think the first time, we talked about that we really met officially i was doing a supernatural business conference in reading one of their staff organized this for like for marketplace leaders and my friend lance walno and myself was some other teachers and and so somehow uh, we bumped into each other i think what i understood also that i had stepped over some rows i think it was in the same conference and given paul a kiss on his forehead and i didn't know who he was but we met in a back room in there in, in a, 2005 i think yeah 2005 yeah so it's about 13 years 12 years ago and uh, but anyway so we uh, then paul and sue had uh, mentioned to bill hey we we can take care of Leif and and they drove me around and I was speaking in another church in Reading. And I really felt that at that moment, being Europeans, but both with Sue, uh, that was also part of, you know, I think it's even before before they had the birth uh, global legacy. But we just spent time. We started to share life. And of course, my own journey in regard to kingdom, family, sonship, just some of that whole thing, baptism of love. We just recognized uh, that there were so many things we had in common. So that was kind of the starting point of a... Uh, many years even if we've been distance we've always stayed in touch and yeah. sue and jennifer are best friends and so we just had this incredible long journey together but uh, and at time period we've been able to hang out combine the normal with vacation or just living life together and out of that also been able to do some ministry together wow yeah that's awesome <laughs> yeah 
Well, uh, we we've uh, we've recently been diving into um, your new book, Life Giant Slayers, and looking at some of the content there, some of the principles. We've had some great conversations with some amazing people and some amazing leaders, some amazing giant slayers. Um, and it's exciting to be with you, Paul, because I, I think that there's a lot of crossover with what you carry in some of the content of this book. Um, and uh, we were privileged on Sunday here to um, to hear your uh, Did You Get What You Came For message, which was, I understand that the last message you gave at Bethel Reading uh, before you left at the end of last year. And uh, why don't you just give us a little bit of a background, give us some context about what that message, I suppose, or how maybe how it was birthed. Um, its original birth would have been in 2003 when Bill Johnson on a Sunday night laid hands on me standing against a wall before he barely knew me. Uh, I was lined up against the wall and he put his hand on my chest and he said, give him what he came here for. Hmm. And uh, I've hmm. often prayed it for people. I've often thought it. People travel from all over the world. They come to Bethel. They come to conferences. And I've often prayed the same prayer, give them what they came here for. And you know whether it was healing or whatever, and so then fast forward, um, the summer of last year, I made a few notes, put them on my computer. I called it fifteen, fifteen, fifteen years, fifteen points, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. I forgot about it, and then I was uh, getting ready. I was coming back from Stockholm. I was getting ready to speak at the Leaders Advance. I had a message, a typical Paul Manwaring whiteboard, uh, helping organisations to lead through transition, and I actually was prepared for once. And then I woke up at four in the morning and God just reminded me that I stayed in room 1515 in Stockholm Mm. and that I was to preach it. So I actually preached it first at the leaders advance. And then Eric Johnson said to me, would you preach that on, you know, your last preach in Bethel before you leave, would you preach it? So, so it's 15 things, it's 15 messages, um, 15 points. 15 um, chapters of yeah, the next book. It's, well, it's, yeah, I mean, I think it's, I, you know, I'm, I, I think, think there's 15 books there. Actually. Yeah, yeah there's probably honest. 15 books, but I, so that's what happened. It just became, what did I learn? What have I, what did I get? What did I learn here? Um, and I actually have, I, I'm probably working on it. I think it's, it's kind of like kingdom discipleship, actually. Uh, that's what it, that's what it feels like to me. It's like, how would I disciple somebody into kingdom ways? Well, these 15 points are, are some of that. So, yeah. yeah. And I've, I love preaching it. I didn't have point 15, actually, until until really about the day before that I actually preached it. I, I hadn't finalized point 15. I, I was just trying to find something that really would sum up, and then I, I got that. And that's, we'll probably end with that today, because that's, yeah. that's kind of fun. So. Yeah. So uh, without going through in a linear fashion through the... <laughs> through the 15 points um, because I think uh, if people really want to do them justice they really need to hear the message in its entirety and I think you can you can connect with that um, at uh, Bethel TV you can also uh, listen to the message from SundayBethelAtlanta.com yeah. and I think I know they've already released it so yeah. um, I, I'd encourage people to get the, the full nutrients out of that message if they can by listening to it but we're probably drilling a f- few uh, a couple of a couple of different points Leif um Talking about being a giant slayer, talking about, you know, one of the things we've been looking at is showing up, showing up for the right battle, the context of that, stepping onto the battlefield. And I think really a lot of it is connected to uh, destiny. Mm. It's it's connected to identity, but it's connected to destiny. Mm. And I think that a lot of the, the essence of what Paul's talking about in this particular message of did you get what you came for? It's really about a moment in time towards destiny or on your on your journey towards destiny so um in the context of uh i mean in the context of giant slayers in the context of being on the battlefield what are what are some of the things that resonate with you in terms of did you get what you came for because there's been very poignant moments in seasons in your life where it's been a case of whether that be stepping onto a particular mission field or whether it be going through transition and leaving an organization how, how does that resonate with you in terms of did you get what you came for? No, I think uh, because I, I did have the honor of listening to that message and uh, Papa Jack, who is also one that was very, very much found on that message, we actually talked through it. First of all, I think when I listened to Paul, I started to ask myself some of the same questions. And then I recognized also, of course, launching this book, Giant Slayer, so many of these things are connected. And I'm also saying that because I thought about Sue as she was leaving this morning and Paul, but just 
because I'm aware of some of the giants that they have faced mm. and to be able to see pretty much how each one of those, how they have shown up, how they've shown up for the right battle. And we could just go through all of those things. So, I, so I'm thinking about just also even for them to see their faithfulness, because as I'm saying that uh, for all these years that I've been in, in relationship with the battle family and have been watching just to see some of the giants how they have faced the giant in the right way mm. it's so similar to my own journey that the giant that has been in the front of me has actually been the stepping stone towards the next miracle that i needed but then the journey of being able to face that giant to be able to not be distracted we all have had a journey to lead us there but to become a message and that's what I'm saying. So when he goes to his points, they could be as much easily some of those chapters that is in this book, uh, life lessons, because that's pretty much what this came from me. It would be the same thing as when they ask Paul, uh, if they were to ask him, what are some of the things that you got? And did you come uh, or did you get what you what you came for? Mm. This is also more my own journey of the giant slayers. They asked the students who was asking me life when when you face some of those giants, if that was in a Muslim world or just fear in your own life what were some of the ground rules what were some of those things and that was kind of how the whole book came about it was just practically speaking talking yeah. them through my own journey mm. to be able to face the giant and then even the journey i call it the battle you fight after the battle you won mm. which could be maybe the second book but just <laughs> mainly just after we face that giant and a giant has come down there's also a fight and a battle but it is kind of that part of the journey towards our destiny where i think there's a lot of people even if if I'm seeing Paul, knowing as a, as a friend the journey he's been on, or other people like Papa Jack, or everybody has a journey here. And I think that just some of these different steps towards that journey can be very, very helpful for people. Because so many of us, we have prophecies over our life. Like David, he was anointed to be a king. But then the journey starts in life. How do you go from a shepherd's boy to be a king? And that's kind of a connected. This is one of the things, is just facing your giant. Mm -hmm. That's what this book is all about. And that's pretty much that I know in their life and in our life. It's not that we are finished yet, but we have, we, we've had some giants that we have overcome. Mm -hmm. And those giants has now become the stepping stone to some of the favor with God and also favor with men that God has given us in this journey. Mm. Like you, you just you, you made a phrase there or you made a comment there about um, becoming a message. And I know that's something that you talk a lot about, but I think that there's a, um, there's a very distinct correlation with that essence which there's actually a chapter in the book called be yourself be you only you can be you everybody else is occupied um being original and i think that there's there's two of um two of the 15 points that you talk about paul where one of them being do you believe in your story yeah. um and and i think it's not just about believing your story but do you know your story yeah. do you know the nuances have you explored that um and the other uh another one of the points is be you so yeah. don't compare mm -hmm. um I think that that's very much intrinsic in the essence of of becoming a message in yeah. that if you you can never really become the full message that you're to be and that the world needs if you don't believe in your own story that's and right. if you are constantly comparing yourself with other people yeah exactly yeah yeah i think um and i think related to that if i kind of just do my little connect to the battles piece of this mm. one of the thoughts i've had recently is that the battles that that come to me in other words the battles that choose me I fight out of who I am if a battle chooses me I stand in who I am if I choose a battle I fight it out of who I am and my purpose wow and I think I think that that's a important piece to learn I watch some people try and fight the battle that that, that chooses them out of purpose and uh, so I stood in Bill's office the day I was diagnosed with prostate cancer and he said, what's the fight about? I wanted, I wanted to have some great cause. I wanted to have some nation that I was going to see one for Jesus. And, and, and the Lord told me, no, it's, it's three generations of male man wearings. It's, it's, you're, you're going to stand on that. You're a, you're a father who's meant to be a grandfather and that's where you stand. Wow. And I fought that out of me. I didn't fight that out of purpose. Um, but I think when you choose battles, you choose them out of purpose and identity so the being me is actually really important and knowing me is really important because if I if I know me I know my story out of knowing my story I'll know my assignments and actually that will help me to choose the battles mm. because I don't have to fight every battle I'm not meant to fight every battle mm. 
So yeah, and you know, linked into this is this whole subject of shame. Mm. It's, the, it's it's all it's all over those two points, because if I compare myself, I'll always lose. If I compare myself to Leif, I'll find places I'll lose. Mm. He'll be better than me. He'll be more anointed than me. He's more articulate than me. All those things. I'll always lose. And if I compare myself, I'm really walking in shame. Wow. And and so shame. My my language is shame will keep me from the one voice that can tell me who I am because shame tells me what I'm not I'm not as good as him it puts me down and then that same shame will keep me from the father's voice and I think it's all wrapped up in you know battles and life's journey fundamentally I need to know me know my story I need to know where I've succeeded where I failed where I'm called to go where he's put his hand on me and then I need to walk out of that and know well I'm me I always joke. You you saw me on Sunday do it. You know, if I came to if I come to church and in Atlanta and I think, oh, I think they really wanted Bill. I'm sure they wanted Bill. So I try and be Bill. I'm a really bad Bill, and you don't get me. And that's that doesn't work for anybody. So those yeah, those two points. I think they're totally wrapped up in life, life's journey, but they're also wrapped up in in fighting. I I watched my wife fight an eight year battle, and uh, and she fought it ultimately out of her identity out mm. of who she was mm. wow i think you could have had an extra chapter with that yeah yeah, yeah i'm just thinking that we, we need to do a re the revised <laughs> version already yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i love that uh that that's something that i hadn't thought about actually in a sense of battles that actually present themselves to you and battles that you pursue um and and the difference between how you respond to those or maybe not the difference in how you respond to them but the the place from which you respond to them or, or approach them um, yeah my logic is this you know if a if a battle chooses me I hear a lot of people say that's an attack on my purpose and destiny hmm. it, it might be in there but I don't think you fight it out of that I think you fight it out of who you are and if you look at Jesus he he goes into the wilderness and he and he fights a battle and the battle is if you are if you are this identity yeah so to me the the battle there was not about what he was going to do not, none of those phrases were were really to do with you know him walking to the cross and, and being the savior of all mankind they were about his identity so when a battle chooses you i think you stand in your identity you say this is who i am and that is enough but when you choose a battle you need to be aware of your identity but also your purpose so that so that your assignment is actually giving you the authority in that battle otherwise you'll enter into a battle that you haven't been given authority for mm. and i've often said also we're talking about first of all your assignment is connected to your alignment yeah. but also how your anointing the dove rests upon your assignment and uh, we, we're seeing yeah. it many times we started to burn flesh instead of oil as soon as we're moving outside the lane that God had created us to stay yeah, in. That's good, yeah. And so it just uh, instead of burning oil of intimacy, we start to burn flesh. And it doesn't take me long to just, but as soon as I'm adjusting myself, when Jesus only did what he saw the Father do, and he said what the Father said, he was in a perfect alignment with that. And the dove always rested upon that sonship. And then out of that, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me and He has anointed me and the assignment flows from that very place. So I thought that was very good. It's a, pretty much say it in the same way that, that you just explained. Yeah, very practically, you know, I once ran a prison. So if I, if I was attacked on the street, I'm, I'm attacked by somebody on the street, then I, I wait for the police to arrive and, and I'm worthy of protection as a citizen. So they come to my protection. When I, when I step into the prison, if, if there's a riot in the prison, out of my authority, I can go in and deal with that. I don't have that authority on the street in the same way as I do in the prison. So, the, so to me, there's a very practical piece of it. In the prison, I had authority. Mm -hmm. In the prison, I had assignment. So I'm able to say, let's go in and deal with that. On the street, I don't have that authority. I don't have that assignment. But I have an identity. I'm a citizen, and therefore, I, I have a right, for want of a better word, to be protected by the law enforcement of that society. Mm. And I think it's a way of just describing the difference between the two. Yeah, very good. Mm. Paul, one of the things that, um, that, that I suppose 
uh, I'm wrestling with just in that in, in, in a healthy way, um, and I listened to some of your teaching last night at the School of Ministry, is I, I think some people listening here would be saying, okay, well, that's that's great that your anointing rests upon your assignment and you talk about identity, but I don't know who I am. I don't know what my identity is, you know, and I think I think in Christianese we can use these terms, you know, you're a son of God and you're a child of God and you're this and you're that, and which are all very valid and great terms, but I think a lot of people that are either new to the, the stream or new to that language or this or that, uh, identity is a massive thing. And, you know, obviously we talk about it in the, Leif talks about it in the book in a sense of showing up for the right battle and, and identifying or knowing who you are and therefore knowing what battles you're called to fight. But how how one of the gifts that you bring is obviously helping people find their identity, helping them to find what they've been created for, identifying passions and different building blocks. Where would you even give someone a point of traction to start with that? Um, I'm always going to start the same place that Leif will start. It's mm-hmm. sonship and daughtership. Mm-hmm. I personally believe that we, we only have one identity. Girls have daughters, boys have sons. One identity, that's all. Everything else is a role that I carry out out of that identity. Mm -hmm. Whatever I do in life, I do it out of that. Where do I start? I start where I started, um, April 2005, sitting listening to Danny Silk preaching uh, and talking to God. And uh, I'd just been asked to build the network. I'd just been asked to help build to father people around the world. And I asked a simple question. How do you father an organization, God? And he said, you have to be a son first. Mm. And then he told me, he said, you stop being a son the day your father dies. Mm. And that, that wow. for many is, so the, where's the place of traction? In what way have you stopped being a son or a daughter? Were you abandoned? Were you abused? Did you have a good dad that left early? Um, I have a very good friend who said, I had such a good dad, I, hadn't, and I didn't think I had need of a heavenly dad. So wherever, wherever there is that place of absence, lack, any turning away from being a son or a daughter, I start there, and then the and it's I don't know that everybody teaches it this way. My teaching is this: you need to repent. And the mm-hmm. mindset, the problem is that when I say repent, most people hear sin. Mm-hmm. The, the yeah. first thought is, "I repent, sin." No, no. Romans three twenty three: all have sinned and Gosh. fallen short of the glory. Mm-hmm. I repent from sin, but I repent unto glory. And, and a glorious son is my identity. A glorious, glory-filled, glory-carrying son is my identity. So the very first place that I would always take people to is repent if in any way you ever stopped being a son or a daughter or you've never been one. And it, it's, it's not about the quality of the father. Jesus will be known for all eternity as the son of an adulterous murderer. That tells me something. The quality of the father does not determine the quality of the son. So I would be saying, let's remove the obstacles, get rid of the objections, and just repent of stopping being a son, and then start the journey. You mentioned, uh, I think it was last night, you mentioned even just a very practical way that you went through that, in in a sense you hadn't had a conversation with your natural father since he had passed away, obviously, and you went through a practical exercise. I thought that was very, very uh, interesting just in terms of... uh, a tangible way that you could open that dialogue or open that even that way of communication yeah um, I so that week I got the first piece on the Tuesday I remember listening to the message I remember listening to God and I, I went home that night and I repented I said God I'm sorry that I stopped being a son February the 28th I could feel the pats on my back people saying you're the man of the house now and then at that time I was reading Bill's second book Supernatural Power of a Transformed Mind and he talks in that about sanctified imagination. Mm. And it was that that I took, and I don't know how my mind connected it, but it's I'm wired a bit that way. I took that and I, and I laid on my bed and I had a conversation in my imagination, because people think I'm saying talk to the dead. I didn't. I had a conversation in my imagination with my dad for the first time in 32 years. And I just told him, I said, dad, hey, this is what I've done since you left, you know. I did this, uh, I, I met this girl, I trained to be a nurse. You know, I, I've had two sons, James and Luke. James is a musician, you'd love every minute of being around him. Luke is a photographer and a football player, soccer player, and you'd love being around him. And they're like you, and I talked about, you know, I married Sue, I've, I've run prisons, I've done 
I've done all these things. And that's that's literally what I did. Wow. What happened was it to me, um, I think when you stop being a son, you stop being a daughter, you get kind of get spiritual atherosclerosis. You get blockage of the arteries that mm. flow from heaven to earth. And so this unblocked the arteries mm. because what I did was I redeemed 32 years of not being a son and I, I filled them up again. Mm. And it, it created this connection that meant, oh, I'm, I've, I'm not, you know, I am a son. I'm, I have a dad. He's, he's mm. just in heaven. He left early. I'm not fatherless. I have a father, but I just hadn't connected. Mm. And I've watched, I've watched a lot of people go through that exercise. Mm. Some people that don't have a dad have that conversation with God. Mm. Have the same conversation. He'd really like to know. He'd really like to know about your good days, your bad yeah. days, your mm. successes, your failures. He'd really like to know that. Yeah, very good. Yeah, mm. and I think that that I love that because I think it's it's a very, it's a very practical, tangible. Uh, Thing. and obviously that was unique for you and may not work for everybody else i mean for example my dad's on the other side of the world in australia and i'm even thinking okay a couple of hours i'm just going to give him a call it's been a little while since i've just had a, a call that's just been me talking to my dad and saying hey this is what i've been up to what are you up to and and having that connection and i mean life you obviously you're fortunate to still have your your natural father with us uh, he's in well he's in norway so he's not technically with us here but um you also have a, a spiritual father in Papa Jack, and mm. we've explored some of that. And we've had Papa Jack on 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 this podcast. But what does it look like for you in terms of maintaining healthy dialogue with the father and and that I, resonance? I think also, uh, I totally agree with Paul, and I do believe that for me the sonship, uh, when I received it in year two thousand and the baptism of love and a major transformation, because it was the first time I knew from Papa God that the way He was seeing me when I had my baptism of love. And when he said the same way as he said about Jesus, but it was with an audible voice that I've talked about before in Melbourne, that you are my beloved son. Mm. But when that hit, and I am well pleased with you, when that hit me, I had read it in the scripture, but it was my experience with Papa God, the way he was seeing me. And I started to see me the way he was seeing me. That was also when Papa Jack came into my life. And I started to view my dad in the natural, because I had a lot of, I had a kind of a long list of all the things my dad was not for me mm. and even there I was trying to think about all the times he did not spend with me instead of now something shifted and I started with a gratitude I saw where my dad came from his yeah. parents and great his grandparents and just what he was able to do with what he had and what was his ceiling has become my floor so I went home and I started to honor my father in the natural I asked forgiveness when I stopped being a son and living as a son and even some of the judgment I had towards him of what he was not instead of who he was. So, I mean, we have a phenomenal relationship, including next month I'm going to Spain, my wife and I, to celebrate his 75th birthday, to see who he is, and he's the best grandpa in the world. And so just to see that it changed something for me when I just first would, when it happened with Papa God, but also with my natural, as well as Papa Jack. It's not, uh, I would say the first five years, the problem I had was that I was focusing on being a son. So I had sonship, but I had leadership, apostleship. Like I've said, I have so many other ships. And I think that became my shift in 2005. The treatment center and all of that is when all the ships got shipwrecked. And the only one that survived was sonship. And that was a totally different for me. It was the rest. Before it was, in one, yeah, I'm a son, but. And I constantly were shifting these. Now it's, no, the identity of who I am, I'm a son. And out of that, yes, I'm a father and a husband. And all these other things flows from that. So as long as my sonship is in the front of all the other ships, all the other big ships are safe. But I have realized in my own life, as soon as I feel pressure, even if I'm thinking about a big apostleship with, with the storms of life, if that tiny little boat called sonship, when I'm resting there being a son, both a Papa God, my natural dad and Papa Jack, but just even anywhere if I go, if I, whoever I am with, if I'm coming into a church, I have a spirit of sonship towards a father and mother in that house. I live it in our local church, but when sonship is in the front, then the big apostleship can follow that, or leadership, or relationship, or other ships. And, and I feel there's a lot of safety, and there's always rest in that. So I feel there's a rest on the sonship, and that's kind of been my journey. Of, uh, there's times other ships goes there, but then I feel pressure instead of pleasure. And I have a tendency just to align that back again and say, okay, now this is who I am. And this is how you see me, Papa. And then how I see other people is with the sunglasses, different perspective. Mm. I think that um, 
what would happen to me with that imaginary conversation you know when you in the natural when you're when your dads or kids are still alive you you know hopefully you keep that going so you keep that contact going so you know my boys will text me every day about something they'll tell me you know their latest job contract or whatever it is they're doing every day there's no there's not a moment not a day goes by with my two natural sons but my dad's not alive so I don't have that but I have but what happened in my imagination opened up a pathway so that I could lie on a stage in Nuremberg before I preach in the first stadium event and say this one's for you like you <laughs> I, you know if you were here this is what you'd be thinking today so I think it creates it creates the play, a flow of honor of love of connection of recognition and you know my sons I'm responsible for my sons knowing my dad because they never met him in the natural wow, so that's cool. I'm responsible for carrying that if I've shut off that connection I will fail to pass on to my sons that mm. I, I stood a memorial service five years ago and I and I stopped the memorial service and I said I, I want to talk to the to the two kids right now and I said I want to give you your life's assignment your life's assignment is to honor the memory of your mother so that your children know who your mother was. Mm. But if you don't have that, you cut off the generational in your imagination. And so I think it's, a, it's big, it's a, huge, it's a huge part of how we live our lives. Mm. Paul, what do you think the, I mean, you've obviously been for the last 15 years in a pretty incredible uh, culture of family. And I think that's one thing that, that Bethel really uh, has has cultivated and communicated to the body um, that very much a lack of division. And even when there's disagreement, it doesn't mean division. Uh, what? How does how does that that attitude of sonship come into the cultivation of relationship in a healthy community, healthy family? Well, you know. It, it's really about a lot of the things that we we clearly know about you know one if I know that I'm a son then I'm I stop competing I, I should stop comparing mm-hmm. I'm I'm it's not all about me it's about positioning myself to serve so it it affects everything if I stop being a son I'll I'll revert to being the negative elder brother because there is a positive elder brother his name is Jesus he's our elder brother the book says so mm-hmm. I never like to say elder brother blanket but we will revert to the negative elder brother the negative elder brother is is comparing himself he's complaining he's miserable so he's I mean he's just not happy and you'll revert to fear and control and you'll lead and you'll minister out of fear control manipulation and and that's not where we're meant to be. We're meant to lead out of being sons, lovers, servants, friends, and cheering each other on, supporting each other. And I think what we have at Bethel is, you know, one of my relationships probably, I would, I would always say is this, some days he's my father, some days I'm his father, some days I'm his friend, some days I'm his brother. And there's interchangeability because once you're securing your identity as a son, you can step into other roles. But if you're not secure as a son, I mean, you become a critic. Uh, every father will let you down if you're not a son. So, so you you actually cultivate a culture of criticism. Um, like I always say of Luke 15, you know, if you're not a son, an inheritance is just a bunch of cash. If if you're not a son, a theologian's a critic. And it, it, so it changes everything. Once I know that I'm a son, you know, put it this way, the government's on the shoulders of a son. Yeah. That's what it says in Isaiah 9 verse 6. The government is on the shoulders of a son. The entire government of the kingdom of heaven and earth is on the shoulders of a son. And so it changes everything. Sonship changes everything. How do you see? I mean, I thought about just throwing the ball. Uh, the difference then when you see people slipping Oh, I know I'm a son, and then you start to still see the behavior of the orphan in mm-hmm. in that. What what would be some of the trigger points that you see? I'm, I'm looking at my own life, and you're saying there's certain buttons somehow. If those buttons are pushed, I have a tendency 
and I'm just having to deal with that. So it's still, even if I have that, I'm, I'm very clear, I know who I am. But what are you seeing? Because we can easily recognize it. I can look in the mirror, my wife can see it, the people around me can see it. When, when I'm operating from rest as a son, and then the restlessness that is there when the orphan spirit comes in, self comes in the center. So do you see any triggers and or some I th- buttons? I think when I am in the room and that person, everything has to revolve around them. Everything is pointing to them. Their story starts to stink of poor me and they are, they're missing the privilege of their their position in life, the opportunities in life. So, you know, I've, I'll get around some people and even, you know, they're telling testimonies and every testimony is about them. And it's like, I, that's, that makes me nervous. So when, it, when it's that, you know, Jesus, he came to serve, not to be served. And so I'm looking for people who serve. That's, that, I'm looking for people who position themselves um, so when I'm around people and it all points to them or it's poor me or they're attention seeking, you know, that, that makes me nervous and that makes me want to jump in. You know, the best people I know at this, at keeping on top of it, are Stu and Chloe in Catch the Fire Wembley. Mm. I don't know a group of people better than them um, because they're, they, they, they have this language. It's actually day to day all the time checking themselves checking how they relate to each other um, so they've actually I think taken the day to day team piece of that to another level hmm. that's very good there's so much there's there's so many paths we yeah, can when go there's down 15 there's, points in front of you I yes. know it's it's just amazing uh, I think um, I think I'm, I keep getting drawn back to uh, just understanding. I, I, for me, I think the orphan spirit, the whole spirit of comparison, the the things that steer you away from sonship, if you like, and move you more into the older brother or the younger brother or whichever brother, um, so much of it is about, um, for me, it comes back to value in terms of particularly understanding your story. Where do you draw your value from? Where do you see value in your story? Um, you know, one of the points you say in the 15 is, have you learned to look for the gold? You know, do you know how to seek out treasure? And I think that we're often so externally focused in terms of what's next, where are we going, what am I meant to do, which box am I meant to tick? Someone else has ticked three boxes, I've only ticked one box, etc., etc. Uh but we have such an external focus that then defines our identity. Does that make sense? Mm. Um, and, and I think that for me it comes back to, uh, and this is a process that I'm going through at the moment, is, is, is reviewing my own story, my own journey. And you make, uh, you make, make, uh, make the, the point of uh, he wastes nothing, he gets you ready. And do you, maybe just do you want to give some context about that? Explain what that means, and we can talk about it a little bit more. Yeah, um, it's my little motto. It's kind mm-hmm. of my life motto. It's mm-hmm. Romans eight twenty eight. All things work together for good to those that love God. It's my simple version. He wastes nothing. He gets you ready. It's birthed out of my life experience. Mm-hmm. Um, I look back at my life. Last worked as a nurse thirty four years ago. Um, next month I'll teach doctors in a medical healing conference and they'll get medical credits for listening to me <laughs> he wastes nothing i trained strategic planning in 1991 in the prison service of england and wales and and now i sit on a team and they call me the architect strategist for a strategy for evangelism in europe he wastes nothing there's not one little piece of our of our lives that that he will waste if we actually give it to him mm. and and so it 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 is this piece of you know, if I, I'm a son, I know he, I know he loves me. Uh, you know, the elder brother, the cure for the elder brother was a simple phrase. I've always been with you and everything I have is yours. Mm-hmm. He's thinking, I've been wasting all my time working in this field. I've wasted it. And the father's saying, I waste nothing. Mm. I've always been with you and everything I have is yours. Mm. So it's, it's really the shift in how I view my life. There, there's no wasted season. There's no wasted effort. There's no wasted opportunity if I walk in relationship with him. Mm. You know, I meet a lot of people and they want to know, what do I do with my life? 
and they say, I've got so many choices. I say, well, let's sort that out straight away. You can't make the wrong choice with a good God. Hmm. Wow. Now, if, if you'd settle that, now I'm free to make a choice. So, you know, if, I, if, if my God, so to speak, plays the violin, and I, I can play the violin, but I could, I could go on a career of photography or cooking, then if I don't choose the violin, is he going to love me any less? No, he's going to be excited that, that I'm doing what I love to do. But we have this mindset that I have to line up somehow. But I, I don't. He's, he's, so he wastes absolutely nothing. He didn't waste any of my time in prison service. Hasn't wasted my 15 years in Bethel. He's always getting me ready for the next, the next assignment. I'm just curious, just connected there. Where do you think? Because we talk about with a giant slayers. I mean, there's people that stop because, in a sense, that before they have shown up. There's other people. I mean, somehow in the journey of life towards the destiny, it seems like, I mean, I meet people that, 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 that had big dreams that I was with 25 years ago, and they're still talking about that dream. But somehow something happened in their journey, either disappointment, discouragements, or something came along. So where, what do you say as an advice there in regard to uh, for people to be able to get the nutrients, if I say that, out of the life experiences? I know you mentioned one statement I think is very powerful. It's just your view of him as a good, good father. And You know, Abraham was looking for a city that had foundations his builder and make was God. Did he find it? No, he didn't. He's the father of faith. Mm. He, he's not the father of finding cities. He's the father of faith. And we are the sons of Abraham. We are to walk by faith, not by sight. So we need to never take our eyes off the faith goal. And Romans 1 and Romans 16 repeats a phrase, the obedience of faith. So nobody can afford to take their eyes off of that. If I have a prophetic word, it's 20 years old, I need to keep the prophetic word alive. There's no value in, in saying, it. I missed it. I believe you almost, you must always keep in front of you the prophetic. You must always keep, as it were, behind you the testimony. Mm. You must always live in that place of the victories that you've had and the victories that he's promised it will create tension that yeah. it creates tension because it, oh, it hasn't happened yet it's like well you know the bible's so sanitized the by that it's not in the wrong way you know joseph was in prison for 13 years mm. you know that was 13 long years in a sewer infested prison he didn't just have two days two dreams interpret them and get out so you know we're members of the christian faith we're meant to walk by faith um you know proverbs says um, hope deferred makes the heart sick a lot of people misunderstand it it's not that you don't get what you hope for that makes you sick. It's that you stop hoping. Mm. It's actually when you stop hoping. So when you stop living out of hope, when you stop living out of that place of faith, of the unseen, that's when you get sick. So I would say you need to keep your eyes ahead. And then the other thing I'm really playing with at the moment is I think there are seasons of journey and there are seasons of destination. Mm. And some people need to just enjoy the journey. They just need to get in the car, enjoy the atmosphere, have a great journey. Very good. How do you, how do you identify what's a destination and what's a journey? Um, I think it's gonna, it will vary depending on, on the season in your life. I think some people do know that they have a clear destination. I'm to do this. This is a season of doing that. There are goals. There are, you know, there are, there are steps. So you make plans. You achieve goals, etc. You know, write the vision that he who reads it may run with it. And often the person who, who writes the vision is the one that reads it. So read your own vision. So sometimes there are clear visions. But I think there are times when there are mission seasons mm -hmm. where it's just enjoy the journey. I think, you know, a good example would be a mum, a mum with four kids at home. And, and they're like, oh, you know, I, I'm not able to do this. I'm not able to do that. You've got four kids. Yeah. Like this is journey season. So your assignment now is to create such an amazing atmosphere in the home mm -hmm. that no matter how chaotic it is, there's a culture of peace, joy, righteousness, the kingdom in your home. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if you're in Bethel Reading, jump in the car, drive from the church, you get to the I-5. You have two choices, left, Mexico, right, Canada. Sometimes you know I've got to go to Canada, but sometimes the issue is get in the car, create a culture, create an atmosphere, and experience God together on the journey. 
and sometimes through just enjoying the journey, you actually find those destinations. Yeah, totally. Yeah, exactly. So speaking of journeys and destinations, where are you at at the moment? What what are you? What, are you on your way to a destination, or are you just figuring out the journey? Uh, I. I've got a combination. Yeah. I've been sent by Bethel to represent Bethel in Europe, mm-hmm. to uh, represent with our network and with our alumni. So that's a part of my life. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm on the strategy team for Europe Shall Be Saved with uh, four or five amazing men and women of God. And we're developing the strategy. So that's got destination on it. It's clearly, mm-hmm. I have, a, I have, Plans, steps, goals, I'm building something, uh, raising 10,000 houses of prayer, training and equipping evangelists, planting and harvesting churches, speaking in stadiums, we're rolling out strategy. Uh, And then I have uh, kind of like some of the journey of what do I look like when I'm not working for someone else? What Mm -hmm. what is my ministry? How do I express myself? Uh, And and that's a little bit more journey-like. But there are some, there are some, specifics in there as well but you're right i mean i've stumbled i mean i'm the guy who can teach planning and all that stuff but i've probably stumbled more into the big pieces than i have anything else mm. yeah wow but it's i'm excited and encouraged so it's a good season what are some uh, i think uh, a lot of the time it's easy to focus on the external in a sense of like if you take for example strategy um and someone throws an organization in front of you a group of leaders and you have to grab a whiteboard and and take them on a journey um how do you do that for yourself what does that look like for yourself uh, proverbs 20 verse 5 says uh, the plans of a man are like deep wells and man of wisdom draws them out and uh you know wisdom was there at creation so mm-hmm. we're, we're looking for discovering what god's hidden inside of you um and it's it's a kind of spiritual emotional um, it has some external elements in it, but I'll always start with the with the internal. Um, that's the that's the most important piece of that. You know, even with uh, if you take strategy, there's a fairly well known book, it's probably a little old now, called The Mind of the Strategist, written by a guy called Kenichi Omai, who's a Japanese strategist, and he says that strategy is a state of mind, hmm. which is or strategic thinking, which is very interesting. Hmm. So even the great business strategists start in the mind. And we have the mind of Christ. So we should be the best. So I'm really trying to get people to get inside themselves and discover, as it were, you know, how do you think like Christ? Have, find the mind of Christ. So it's always going to be about thinking. It's, always, it's going to be getting inside your head and getting you to think, getting you to discover, getting you to think differently. And organizationally, it's exactly the same. Mm. I mean, you've heard me talk the last couple of days. So the four biggies you know, for helping someone discover their future? What's the testimony you most want to see repeated? Mm-hmm. What's the prophecy you most want to see fulfilled? What do you love and what are you afraid of? And in those four are some of the biggest keys to your destiny that you'll ever find in your life. Wow. So, uh, wow. I mean, yeah. I, 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 <laughs> there's, 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 a, there's a million questions and I know we need to, we're just conscious of time. We need to, we need to land this um you've got a, a strategy meeting to get to but <laughs> yeah. speaking of which but uh what are paul are there some resources that you can connect people to do you do you have i know you're in the middle of probably developing a myriad of things and and there's obviously logical things like go to a school or or, or connect with different things but are there some things that people can connect with you what you're doing the journey you're on yeah, they can go on my website, paulmamoring.com. Mm-hmm. Um, it's getting better. I've got to work on my itinerary on there, but there's some resources on there. There are blogs on there. Great. There are some podcasts on there. Great. Um, so there, are, there's some materials, and I'm, I'm in the process of developing. Uh, uh, my online presence in the future will probably be called Leading in Life, mm-hmm. and my passion is to equip the 97% who aren't paid to go to church to lead in life wow. and to help them to lead whatever, wherever they work, whatever they do, that they would become kingdom leaders and that we shift away from the church leader wanting to raise church leaders and the church leader wanting to raise people who lead the world. So I'm, I'm developing that. That's one of the things. So people can see that on there as it grows mm-hmm. and develops. And you've also written some books and one of them I had the joy of endorsing, the best book under glory. So can yeah. you just let people be aware of those 
you yeah. know, so Kisses from a Good Papa is also phenomenal. Yeah, I wrote What on Earth is Glory, which is me unpacking this massive word glory. What is this thing called glory? So I unpacked it and destiny allowed the book to be a question and not a statement. It was down to <laughs> Papa a Jack. He, he enabled that to happen. And so that takes some of my sonship journey, unpacks what is this thing called glory, and helps people to see what glory they carry because we carry glory. Uh, and then Kisses from a Good God is my uh, journey through prostate cancer. Um, it's a book I think that would encourage anyone in any journey, anything that they're facing, or helping somebody who's walking a friend or a relative through a crisis, whether it's divorce or cancer or a disease. Um, so there's those two books. Um, I mean, some of the top things I've probably got available, I have a, uh, a 52 week flash drive series on the gift of administration, the gift of government called Mastering Kingdom Administration. And that's to help people who are administrators see that they're not second class and to see the value of the gift. Um, I have a strategic planning toolkit, which is a three day strategic planning workshop in a box. It's me in a box for three days. Uh, and then the most recent thing, which is slightly different, is um, is actually a, a very simple little flash drive of me teaching uh, church leaders how to close worship, which is one of my one of my favourite things to do. And I would be happy to fly anywhere in the world for five minutes to close worship, to touch the moment when the people are present and God is present, and to wow. see what He'll do. And so I developed a I, I interview some of the worship leaders, Brian and Jen, and we talk about how to close worship. So those are some things about me. That's well, awesome. That's so good. I definitely will be. I definitely will be <laughs> writing down three days and uh, listening to some of that. It's uh, it's been awesome to be with you, Paul. I think it'd be wonderful if you would just uh, just release whatever's on your heart over the people that are listening. That mm -hmm. uh, they'd be encouraged, they'd be inspired, and sure. Yeah. Well, it's number fifteen. It's point number fifteen out of Did you get what you came here for? And I spent fifteen years in America, the home of the brave, the land of the free, and uh, I've spent a lot of time watching people here. And I've noticed something, there's a confidence. And you're an Aussie and I'm a Brit. The Aussies are known for tall poppy syndrome. Other yeah. people cut them down. Yeah. The Brits, we don't need any help. We cut ourselves down. Yeah. <laughs> and I read in Luke 4, Jesus returned to Nazareth where he was brought up and stood up. Yeah. And I believe that this is the call on all of our lives, that we gain the confidence in who we are and that we return to where we were brought up, figuratively speaking, and we stand up. And we take the scroll and we declare the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me because he has anointed me. You know the difference between David, between being in a field and Saul's men saying there's a man of God, a man of valor and God is with him. One difference. He was anointed. And so, Father, I ask that you would release mm. courage and boldness to every one of us to recognize that we're anointed mm. and that we will have the confidence to stand up and say the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me. No matter who we are, no matter where we are, no matter what we do, we're anointed and we have been given the great assignment to preach the good news, hmm. bind up the brokenhearted, preach freedom to the prisoners and release to the captives and declare that this is the year of Jubilee in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Wow. Well, thank you so much for your time. You're very welcome. Thank my you for pleasure. being with us. You're my friend. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, for those of you who want to connect more with uh, what we're doing at Global Mission Awareness, you can visit us online at globalmissionawareness.com. We've got some exciting announcements about ministry trips coming up this year, and uh, there's lots of more uh, resources available there. So I encourage you to connect with us. Until next time, be blessed, and we'll see you soon.